Space Anime. Welcome everybody back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Today we'll be doing episodes 75 to 79. With me as usual is Giop and Kuvo. Hello. <laughs> and I'm Ty Tuesday and uh, yeah, let's get right to it. Episode 75. Um, so last time we left off with Reinhardt getting a message basically accusing... Uh, 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 Ruinthal of uh, some some questionable stuff. Yeah, he gets the report from uh, Brunkendorf, which is one of the dudes that uh, helped Ryan out in the past. Uh, he's one of the secretary guys or whatever. Uh, this guy's like a straight laced kind of no nonsense guy. Uh, he did the investigation. We'll kind of skip over most of that, but um, yeah, basically they just they just explain why Reinhardt doesn't think this guy's going to do any backstabby cloak and dagger stuff and why he's not even considering that. Yeah, he's very straight laced. So they figure out the, about uh, Rutenthal's kinky girlfriend. Um, they call her in for some questioning. Uh, we discover that she is pregnant with Rutenthal's child, and uh, he told her that he wants to aim higher to provide for his kid or something like that. Uh, it sounded like he had ambitions now that he knew he had a kid on the way. Um, Lang was doing these uh, uh, this, invest- this investigation or this interrogation or whatever, but he knows that Rutenthal really hasn't broken any law- laws, so he kind of takes advantage of Brockendorf's trustworthiness and like says that he'll take care of it for him and just has Rutenthal arrested. He just says, like, he hasn't broken any laws, so this isn't really the legal department. It should be internal affairs and weird. That's me, so I'm going to go ahead and take over this case real quick. Yeah. Uh, Lane's um, kind of a sneaky dipshit, so. Yeah, and in case you forgot, because, uh, like, you might wonder, like, why would they even care about, you know, Rutenthal's kinky girlfriend? Uh, it's because she's part of the uh, Lichtenlod family, which yeah. is uh, the people who were, all the men were killed and the women were exiled or something. It was like the small rebel force that tried to start up. It was a, well, at the time, decently sized rebel force that uh, was against Reinhardt and is trying to overtake and rule. But yeah, it's they're not looked at highly from Reinhardt's perspective. So that's why mm-hmm. people thought she was trying to maybe instigate Rutenthal to do something stupid. So... We see a scene of uh, Mittenmeyer. He's shocked at these allegations. He wants to see Rutenthal, but uh, Rutenthal's being, you know, not interrogated, but he's kept away from other people. And the other admirals tell Mittenmeyer, listen, like, you probably, even though he's your friend, shouldn't go because this could mess with your reputation as well and it could screw up everything. So uh, Mittenmeyer's mm-hmm. upset, but he understands where it's coming from. And he tries to, like, even though he knows he can't do much, he tells everybody that Rutenthal's a good guy and he wouldn't do any of this bullshit, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, the actual interrogation of Rutenthal by Mueller. Um, it's kind of funny because you can tell that Mueller knows that this is kind of pointless and stupid, but he has to do it anyway since he's the chief of internal police or whatever his... What was his position? It was like MP police or something like that. Yeah, it was like military police yeah. or something in that area. Something like that, yeah. So they ask him about some stuff. Uh, Rutenthal is pretty much unabashed and says everything that he thinks... Uh, how, I'm trying to figure out a good way of describing this. He says, like, they ask... I forgot the specific questions they ask him. It's like, do you... Hmm. I mean, they were like, do you have this woman in your place? And he's just like, yup. Oh, yeah, I mean, they asked him about that. Yeah, he said, apparently she said something about you wanting to aim higher. And he said, no, that's a lie. We never spoke. I didn't even know she was pregnant. Yeah, so he, like, he, he says pretty much immediately, he said, oh, no, if I knew she was aborted, I would have, and if I knew she was pregnant, I would have had that thing aborted immediately. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't even, didn't and, even and flinch at it. Yeah, everyone else is like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, no, it's just sex. 
<laughs> the other <laughs> thing is, it's mentioned a few episodes later, but the, it surprised me how far along the pregnancy was. Like I said, it's mentioned it was like few, seven yeah, months. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, the time skip is kind of weird. Um, yeah. But he gets through the interview. Um, he says that he wants to talk to Reinhardt directly, and Mueller's like, "Yeah, sure, I can set that up." Uh, so they go into their, um, they go into Reinhardt's like ruling chamber or wherever it is. It's really funny because they yell at each other from like fifty feet away. But um, Reinhardt yeah, asks, "The room is so big, and yes. he's not standing directly in front of him." But it, also, like, he's fifty yards away from the throne, and then fifty yards behind him is like six of the fleet admirals just sitting in chairs. Yeah, <laughs> like, they pulled just, out these like foldy chairs. You see, at a party and put him in the middle of this like <laughs> red carpet. It was really silly looking. <laughs> the event planner did not know what to do with the rest of the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Reinhardt asks him about the woman. Um, his woman Rittenthal says, "Yes, he was there." It is funny because, like, Mittmeyer immediately just, like, pops off and starts trying to defend him and yelling about, like, Lang and Obersteiner behind this. He's blah, 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 gang maybe. Yeah, he starts this. throwing out accusations of, like, all right, we know who the Cloak and Dacker dickholes are. Like, let's be real here. And, like, <laughs> Reinhardt's just like, hey, sit down. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. hey, chill. And he's just like, so, sorry. <laughs> uh, so Runthal apologizes, saying it was a mistake to get involved with the woman. Um, he did not know about the pregnancy, like you said earlier, and he wouldn't uh, have allowed it because he said he's, quote, not ready for fatherhood. Or he said he's he's not, uh, what is it? He's not, like, something of becoming a father. Like, he's not capable of being a father or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think like, he's trying he's to, like, not worthy of it. Yeah. yeah. Looking back to his, like, upbringing and his parents being shitty, I think he was kind of looking at that, but... Yeah. Um, Reinhardt asked him about the night uh, Rutenthal pledged his loyalty to him, and so we get a flashback of Kilkeis and Reinhardt, much younger, of course, um, in some house kind of waiting for someone to arrive. It's uh, Rutenthal. He goes up with them and says that, listen, Mittenmeyer was uh, speaking out, I guess it's the Lichstein Alliance people at the time, and he was captured by them. Or, he was captured on Brunchweg, that's who it was. And um, yeah. he says he, he wanted... He spoke out against the old guard. They took him into prison. And uh, so Rutenthal was just coming to meet him and being like, hey, I want you to break my friend out of, out of prison, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And it was, it's, uh, it was interesting at the time because at, at that time, uh, Rutenthal and Mittmeyer both outranked Reinhardt. Reinhardt wasn't as big back then. So it was weird that this higher-ranking admiral would go and pledge loyalty to this lower-ranking one for help. And so that was kind of the i don't know power dynamic going on back then yeah um um and then uh yeah reinhardt or uh back in the present reinhardt just says like all right i'll come to a decision in a few days but doesn't doesn't say anything and then yeah rutenthal's like underlings are like just have rutenthal talk to the the crazy lady and that'll that'll sort everything out (laughs) and like and, and then the, Lang's like, or, uh, they're just like, no, Lang has her detained, and the military police guy, um, whatever his name is, like, we're not getting, we're not getting a hold of her. Yeah, like, that's he's scene, really good at that job. That <laughs> scene was mainly like the show that Rutenthal's underlings have loyalty towards him, and that uh, they're kind of also crazy in a way. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. fanatically loyal, I should say, in that regard. Yeah, because um, yeah, one of the guys from Mitt Myers Fleet told the guy from Rutenthal Three to chill out, you know. Um. They think back to uh, these two guys while they're talking about what they should do. Think back to Kilke Ice's death and blame Oberstein for it because they think that o- Oberstein was the guy who told Kilke Ice, like, leave his gun at the door when t- going at the Reinhardt. 
because Oberstein obviously didn't want Kilkeis to try to be equals with Reinhardt, but instead had the end effect of having no one in the room with a gun with a guy pulled a bazooka out. So, yeah. Um, the other thing is they they, they they know that decision, but the other thing also is that he didn't really show any remorse of, you know, oh, there's a screw-up. He was just kind of like, eh, it happened. Yeah, like Reinhardt was in mourning for months, and then on the other side you have Oberstein who just Oberstein's like, like, well, I have a meeting in five minutes, so... Uh. Acceptable losses. <laughs> gotta, gotta break a couple eggs, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, no, my dude. The last thing they say is that if... Uh, Rumenthal isn't forgiven, or if his punishment is too harsh, they won't forgive Reinhardt for doing that. So, uh, we see a quick scene of Reinhardt asking for uh, opinions. Uh, he's asking, I think there's a couple of admirals in the room, along with Hildegard, asking what they should do about Reinhardt, or about Rumenthal, sorry. And uh, Hildegard, it, the narrator notes that she's elusive with her advice. Normally, she's like the first to speak her mind, but uh, she doesn't want to say anything because she remembers how she felt about Rumenthal when she told Mittenmeyer and him to go capture Heinesen back during the Vermilion battle. And she knows that he may have things up, so he doesn't... She doesn't know what to do, I don't think. Yeah, it seems like the first time that Hildegard's kind of... Or Hilda's just kind of been at a loss. Yeah. Or, like, you know, just, just wasn't really sure what to do. Um, and honestly, I, I think the other admirals in this case, where it was kind of like a Dr. House situation, where it was just some people for ideas to be bounced off of so that we can see what he's thinking out loud. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, like, I I couldn't name any of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the last scene of this episode is Mechenlinger, who is the Art John Cena guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to Isla Horn. His job is just to keep Yang there, just to bottle him up. And um, that is that episode. So we move on, and it is Mecklinger uh, just having having dinner, uh, having dinner, Jesus, dinner. having dinner with admirals. Wow, uh, I just contracted was, uh, a whole dinner of a future meal. He yeah, was with um, contractions. Contractions are generally only used for two words to make them into one word. But when you <laughs> when you're into the real shit, whole sentences. Check it out. <laughs> he was having dinner with uh, I think it was Mueller and the guy who got his arm chopped off by the crazy dude. Yeah, Wallen. Wallen. Yeah. Um, we get to see the inside of Mecklinger's house. It's like filled with art and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, cause this guy is crazy about that sort of shit. Like, wow, um, you came away with like all the art the nobles had, didn't you? He's like, no, I barely got any of it. Yeah. Like one of the guys like, is that an original? He's like, no, it's a replication. The original blew up when, you know, in during the civil war and all that. But like his, uh, it comes out that like one of his things, he likes art preservation, uh, for the future. That's one of the things he does. And I think it was shown like back during like episode like 15 or 20 or something, that like he tries to keep art from being destroyed, so that's like his mm-hmm. own deal. Um, yeah, I think there was something they said in an earlier episode that when the nobles were going batshit crazy, one of his things was collecting the art and stopping them from burning places down. Yeah, and to segue into that, they wonder what's going to happen to Odin once the capital moves to Fazant. Like all the art and all the you know Galactic Empire stuff is kind of centralized there, but once the capital moves, will it be the same? Um, they also wonder what Reinhardt's going to do with about his sister, uh, if she's going to stay on Odin or not. Um, they wonder if he somehow dies, it, will she become the queen? Because she's technically next in line since he has no next of kin. Mm. So they also want him to fuck. <laughs> yeah, they said, Reinhardt, man, Royenthal apparently started to fuck. He had, he's had got a kid on the way. When's when's Reinhardt going to get around to fucking? Yeah. Um, they, they also mention talk- they, they mentioned that um, this I can't remember what guy it was, but it was just some guy in like a position who apparently was 
starting to have some some shitty statements that he said after a few drinks, which included things such as, uh, like, you know, like, no, we're still doing all right financially, but we could just be way better if we focused on the political stuff and just worked on building up our base. And, like, some people are... There's starting to be some rumblings of war exhaustion. Yeah, they think society. they're spending too much on defense when they could be, you know, reinvestigating in their economy and all that. But yeah. We cut over to Reinhardt, who is still on Heinesen. Um He's talking with his kid doctor or whatever, and he goes to bed. Kid doctor goes and is about to go to bed himself, and then a bomb blows up outside the building they're staying at. Um, I have the note here, Ryan wants to get out of PJs before leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like... He, he's in his just like robe and slippers and stuff when the fires all start up and he they're like sir we need to go he's like if if literally any media sees you know the the kaiser running away in his pajamas i will never hear the goddamn end of it. <laughs> if they get a picture of me in my shrek slippers i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as things are exploding, we've realized that this is not just, like, a terrorist attack on him, but instead, like, most of the city is exploding for various reasons. Some of those Um, explosions were like, oh, wow, the explosion fire is going out onto the water. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, like, it shows, like, a a bird's eye view of the city, and, like, there are multiple blocks just on fire and exploding. Yeah, these are just gouts of fire bleeding out from the underground, basically. Yeah, this is, like, not, like, arson. This is, like, a city fire. Like, the great Chicago fire levels of, Mm -hmm. like, blocks and blocks and blocks are burning down. The uh, narrator eventually says it was 18 million square meters and 5.5 people died. Or 5.5 thousand people died. Thousand people died, yeah. Yeah. I I can speak. Um... The narrator says that there were some riots afterwards, but they were quelled. It was mostly just people taking advantage and looting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Admirals, a lot of the uh, Galactic Empire people that were on Hyacinth helped restore order. And Rutenthal, since he was there, had a good or was there previously, had a good plan in place for like disaster recovery sort of stuff. Yeah, so, like he had taken the time to sit down and do all the logistics of like if a terrorist attack happens or if something, you know, some major natural disaster, here's what our first things are, here's where we fortify, here's what we focus on, here's how we keep the people safe, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, so immediately, of course, everybody starts trying to point blame at each other. The Galactic Empire thinks that obviously it's Free Planet Alliance citizens trying to kill the Kaiser. And the Free Planet Alliance think it's the Galactic Empire just trying to get rid of people or something like that. In reality, uh, it, it was... It was it hit a lot of government buildings, apparently, yeah. and so that's why they were concerned. Like, the thing is, it turns out it was just some uh, leftover mining equipment. <laughs> mining equipment. It was, yeah, it was, was a freak Zephyr particle accident, the silent killer in the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just, they just left them underground, apparently, and, like, no one decided to look into that. Do you think um, they have Zephyr particle, like, detectors, like fire detectors or carbon monoxide detectors? I would imagine, right? Yeah. yeah like, you bring down a canary, and if it blows up, and don't go in there. <laughs> like, you bring down a canary with a laser gun, and if it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, tell them to fire. <laughs> All right, canary, if anyone comes, you get them. <laughs> yeah, so the Galactic Empire knows they have to point blame at someone, and they really can't put it on faulty mining equipment. So instead, they realize, hey, the PKC is still around, and they kind of are in cahoots with terrorists let's just point it at them yeah you know like we, we kind of want to get rid of all the terrorists anyway and yeah so they just use it as an excuse yeah. to round them all up mm-hmm. uh, and they mention it and it's like they had a certain number they were aiming to capture but like a thousand got away and then like 
six i think it was like 80 percent of them almost died because they mm-hmm. refused to be captured like it was the same situation with the terrorists again yeah they're crazy and don't want to be taken alive there was one mm-hmm. little thing they showed here i forgot if they ever point, did it or pointed out in the series but they were going th- through some scenes on heinison like you know one was a plant was a picture was a a shot of uh the statue of al heinison and at one point they also showed outside the stadium where uh jessica died in the riot and there, there was there was actually a statue of her that you saw for a quick couple seconds oh i didn't notice that yeah, if you That's scroll through the episode when they're recapping on it, you do see a, um, a statue outside of a stadium, and it's definitely her. That's some good world building. So um, since Ruten Hall helped out with the fire planning and all that, people kind of expected uh, Reinhardt to be light on him. Um, so they do have a big meeting. Rutenthal's there, and Reinhardt's about to give him his sentence or whatever. And he says, the kind of, Reinhardt, I guess, has a kind of a sense of humor because he pulls the fake out. Um, he takes away Ryan, uh, Rutenthal's admiralty position, and everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they're all concerned, <laughs> and, like, Mittenmeyer's about to go crazy. But he instead gives him command of all the Free Planet Alliance territories, which I guess they're calling New Land now? N-E-A-U Land? Yeah. Something like that. And the real thing that's worth noting is, like, that's not just... You know, like here, you're controlling Heinison. It is literally, you are taking over this half of all of the forces. Like, yeah. they note that the only, like, the only person who controls more military might is Reinhardt. And it's, like, actually fairly close. Yeah, it should also be noted that he got a ton of, like, fleets out of this deal. Like, they put some of the other admirals under him so he could have fleets to deal with anything that came up. Yeah, he is, he is second, the only person he answers to is Reinhardt, yep. basically. Um, it, it's also funny because the narrator notes that originally Reinhardt told Hildegard for this position, but she didn't want any of it because she said she had no military prowess or any sort of commanding experience like that, so she didn't want the position. Uh, but the caveat on all this is that no one, including Ruthal, he also uh, promoted some other admirals, but no one gets the promotions until Yang is dealt with. So they are going to go deal with that first before getting any new positions or new jobs or anything. We see a scene of Reinhardt uh, talking with Hildegard later. Um, he asks her point blankly what they should do about Rutenthal's uh, crazy girlfriend. Um, she starts trying to bring up stuff, and he's just like, hey, you know what, I don't care, you deal with it. He just doesn't yeah, want to talk like, with it at all. Like, like the big thing was, um, you know, at first he's like, I mean, if everyone's cool with the child being aborted, can we do that? And she's like, ah, it's like seven months deep, we can't do that yet. And he's like, we can't just... Put her back on the prison exile planet. She's like, nah, warp drive stuff really fucks with developing babies up in the womb. And he's like, ah, damn it. And she's just like, she's like, eh, I'll hand dip. I'll hand wave this. Don't worry. Don't worry. The narrator, don't worry. The writer also does not want to give, <laughs> give any more thought to this. So I'll take yeah. care of that for the author. Yeah. Um, Hildegard also asks about uh, Reinhardt's sister, Anna Rose, and the situation about bringing the Fazan. He gets real pissed off, and she kind of drops the subject. I was surprised he snapped at her, of all people, about it. It's a touchy yeah, subject told, for him. Yeah, he literally was just like, mind your business. And she's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we go we cut over to Rubinsky at some he's been sitting in this like fucking Alps cabin for the last <laughs> yeah. 50 episodes with his I always girlfriend. think it's just in the Alps or something yeah it looks like an Alps log cabin <laughs> like I don't know where the hell it is is it supposed to be a random planet or somewhere it's on supposed Fez- to be yeah. he's on Fazan okay is it Fazan okay yeah. so it's just like up yeah. in an isolated mountain it's in like the, that, that's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around because every time I thought, thought about Fazan until this viewing I've always thought of it as just like a big business city floating yeah, out in city, space but, but it's actually I mean it makes sense planet, that there would be mountains guess, someplace on it right yeah. Yo, there's more to New York than New York City. They've got apple <laughs> orchards and shit. All right? No. <laughs> you have the New York Alps and all that good stuff. <laughs> I York love Alps. the New York Alps. Really good skiing. <laughs> I did go skiing in the New York Alps once. <laughs> uh, so they're at their cabin. They're talking about uh, Rutenthal and Ryan's relationship is repaired because they were kind of trying to put a fork in between that via Lang, but that didn't work out. Um. They think that Oberstein will think that Rutenthal has too much power, so they're kind of trying to formulate a plan about how to get around to doing that. Um, they also know that if they try doing something to Anna Rose, Reinhardt will lose it again. So those are also opportunities for them to be dipshits. And, and talking about how that's a good thing, though. Yeah, talking well, yeah, Rubinsky like, just wants to fuck shit up. Yeah, Rubinsky's like, he's a little too stable right now. He's really hard to control when he has his wits about him. If we kill his sister, he'll just go ape shit and he'll be super easy. To yeah, tell what he was to saying do. that if he tried something out the sister, then Reinhardt will come back to the old Galactic Empire side of the galaxy. And if that happens, will Rutenthal, you know, be loyal with all this power that he has accumulated? Mm-hmm. Um, and also in the weird child stuff, uh, Rubinsky asks Dominic to uh, have his kid. Yeah, and she refuses him and says she doesn't want him killing her child, his child, then, I guess. And then Again, after after she leaves the room, he's like, "No, I want you to have a kid, so he'll kill me." And then it fades out, and I'm like, <laughs> "That was a really weird exchange." <laughs> was, I felt like I was like, "I should have left this room like five minutes ago." <laughs> well, the thing is, is because because he had his last son literally killed. Like her response was just like, "Ow," because she said, "What? So you can have him killed again?" And then he says, no, I want that baby to kill me. All of a sudden, it's, I want that. It's baby. really silly. Yeah, gives birth to a toddler. She's holding him just after, you know, just after giving birth to the child. The child rises up and is holding a teeny tiny little laser pistol and shoots him. Like <laughs> He dies saying, at last, this, the boss I, I baby is born. Oh, God. God damn it. I... I, I am loving this series, but every time they try and do like romance or relationships, it's not the it's strong either, point. It's either really weak and bad and teenagey, or it's so goddamn goofy that I can't help but start <laughs> laughing during it. It's easy, yeah. It's like the worst thing this show does. So every time it comes up, I sigh, and then Rubinsky says, "Please have the boss baby, so he'll no scope me." And I'm just like, <laughs> like "What the fuck?" <laughs> I mean, really, if you think about it, the only person with any semblance of a normal relationship in this series is Kazurin and his wife. Like, otherwise, <laughs> like, like, everybody's just fucked up relationship-wise. Yeah. I guess Mittmeyer yeah. and his... Well, like, Mittmeyer's a childhood bride, so never mind. Mm-hmm. Even Mittmeyer, who's a n- nice guy, doesn't even have a fucking good relationship. Okay. Uh, continuing on, we get a scene <laughs> of Reinhardt uh, chat- chatting with a kid doctor. This is weird, because they're, like, sitting in a park... Tussling like his hair, yeah, like weird. patting this kid doctor's head because like it's supposed to be. He's like literally Siegfried the sequel once again. Bad people also, in relationships here, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, the other thing too is like 
the kid's voice, I think, has been changing over the course of the series. At least it sounds like it. Like it sounds I don't like think his voice it has. Getting, okay, it sounded lower to me. Like he was starting to maybe get into the puberty range. And it just made it super weird when Reinhardt's just like, you're a good kid. And like brushes his hair off to the side. And he's just like, yes, sir. Thank you for petting me, sir. <laughs> yeah, sir, sir, I'm in my fourth year of med school. Please don't tussle my hair. <laughs> Sir, I'm I'm I actually have to leave to go do my uh, residency. So, <laughs> Sir, I'm actually older than you are. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got a... that I've got that Benjamin Button disease. I'm actually like sixty. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable for me. So they have that weird moment and it shows Reinhardt flashback in the kill kiosk again because I guess they ran out of time animating this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yang, uh, at the other side of the galaxy in the last ep- or last scene of this episode, Yang is making plans about what he's going to do because they know that Reinhardt's coming for him. And there's a quick montage of people at Izzlehorn just doing random things. Mm-hmm. It's not really important. Episode 77 yeah. starts off with uh, Ryan leaving for Izzlehorn. Um, Ryan has ordered the demolition of that giant-ass uh, Heineson statue. Or was it Al Heineson on Heineken? Al Heineson. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, he also, the narrator gets into like a weird side thing that is that like Reinhardt really hates statues of people and he has like a law set in place where no one can build a statue of him for 10 years after he dies. And yeah. if, when they do, it can't be bigger than life size. It's really silly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess weird because it's like, he, I think the idea is that he hates deification. Yes. And like yeah. That's the entire idea. It's just strange. The narrator went into this side story right here. Yeah, just like, has to be 10 years after he dies and no bigger than life size. And then it cuts to Reinhardt and he's like, if Ail Heineson was actually as good of a man as everyone thinks, he would also fucking hate that statue. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there, yeah. It's, it's not unheard of. There are laws like in the U.S. code, like law code that's saying like if someone important dies, you can't name national monuments after them for a long time because of this sort of bullshit. But it's just, I thought it was just weird. So a um, whole lot of admirals are going to Israel. He's... Reinhardt's bringing his whole crew with him to go deal with Yang. Um, on Fazan, there is a party for some admirals that are going... Uh, so some of the admirals are going back to the old Galactic Empire side of the galaxy to do the pincher maneuver. And they're going to go through Fazan on the way there. So a party is being held for them. Um, I know Wallen's one of them. She, oh, fuck, who was the other one? Wallen, the guy who was in was charge Lutz. of Isserlone. Um, it was Lutz, yeah. Oberstein was there as well. yeah. And so, um, Silver Birch is being invited. Yeah, so they're all going to go to this party, and uh, we see a scene of the Vice Admiral, or not the Vice Admiral, dude, um, the Silver Birch's second in command, the guy who tried to resign earlier. He comes into Silver Birch's like hotel apartment where Silver Birch is building this like one one thousand scale model of the new city he's going to build on Fazan, and he's like doing some like tweezer bullshit trying to put stickers on mm-hmm. and something. It was Gluck, yeah, that's him. So Gluck tells him it's time for the party. Uh, so they leave. On the way over to the party, uh, Whalen is traveling with Lutz in, in a car, and his, like, robotic arm starts fucking up. And he doesn't want to make any, like, jerk-off motions at the party, so he goes to a doctor. And, <laughs> oh, uh, no, my, my hand is stuck in the fuck you middle finger out <laughs> position. Oh, here, come, here comes the, the Kaiser. I'm going to wave at him. Oh, no, I should give him the finger. No. Yeah, so he uh, takes a um, detour and th- gets there, dropped There was off. one other little thing I wanted to interject. I forgot about this earlier, but um, several episodes ago when he was meeting with uh, the artist fellow and such, you could see like he was fiddling around with his prosthetic arm, and it was the first time he had it. And what I thought was funny in that scene was that was probably the most 
smooth animation they put in the entire oh, series. Yeah, just yeah. how you're sitting there and it's like his fingers are all wiggling and stuff. It's all you know. Like, it reminded me there's almost an exact shot for shot of that in the Ghost in the Shell movie, the first one. Where, oh, really? Uh, yeah, Makoto is playing with her hand and like mm-hmm. she does it all robotically and then it does it really naturally looking. So it reminded me of that. <laughs> but um. Yeah, Anyways. I also kind of like how the at least for once somebody didn't step out and say he has a robotic arm now. It was just sort of like <laughs> that scene was the first time you'd saw him. You saw he was still kind of getting used to it and toying around with it. Yeah. So Willen takes a side trip to go get it fixed real quick. Uh, back at the party, Oberstein, Lutz, Silverberg, and Gluck are just sitting around waiting from it. Um, they get news from Baltic that Wallen's going to be late. Um, while they're waiting, a bomb goes off at the party and it like hurts a ton of people. Yeah, Silverbirch was um, look at uh, Silverbirch was like right in front of it, just about where it went off, and yeah. he like stopped and was looking at like a PowerPoint on the wall with pictures. And I think it, I didn't really get the idea of what his line was, but I think he was pretty much saying like, "Oh, that's a shitty picture." <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> and then it blew up. <laughs> yeah, so Oberstein and Boltick are both pretty hurt. Silverbirch eventually ends up dying to his wounds uh, when they take him away. Um, so. The people like Lutz and Wallen were supposed to leave, but obviously since this happened, they are not going to leave right now, and so they start an investigation to see who was dealing with this. Um, Reinhardt gets the news of this. He tells the troops to go in the morning. Uh, Gluck gets the promotion to Silver Birch's job. Wallen is supposed to leave, and there's a state funeral going to be held later, all that stuff. Um, I don't really know what the whole point of this was. I mean, it was supposed to show that like they're still trying to have attempts on some of these galactic empire people's lives but like the people that were trying to be assassinated like of them i guess oberstein was the most important but yeah and also that um the dude who um was in charge of highness and is good buddies with wallen and apparently um he's gonna score with a nurse i don't know <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that wasn't Baltic. that was lutz so yeah, yeah lutz I, couldn't, got I, couldn't the... remember, I couldn't remember his name lutz Thank yeah you. lutz got hurt at the at the party or whatever and there's a scene of Wallen going in there, like, you know, saying, how are you doing? You're doing okay, whatever. And during this, there's like a hot nurse comes in and starts giving him like an IV drip or whatever. And Wallen's and- like, oh, well, I'll be going. Wait, you just got here. No, I'll be going. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, so after all this, um, Reinhardt gets the news and tells all Walter's stuff. Um, Hildegard asked what would happen if Yang was to launch an attack on Odin and Muckenberg failed to defend. So right now, Muckenberg is the only person close to Islehorn, and so she was wondering what would happen if that. And Ryan says that uh, he would probably give Yang more fleets to see what he can do because he really wants <laughs> to fight Yang. Like, this is becoming an obsession on his part. Uh, Hildegard is said that tells him that uh, you should return home and let Yang build the strength then instead of trying to go to Islehorn and take it again. But Reinhardt is still being stubborn and says he must fight Yang right now. Uh, where else do we go here? Uh, Mittenmeyer and Ruenthal get the information about the bomb thing in Fazan. They wonder if maybe Oberstein planted it, but they kind of say that he got hurt too, so it's kind of stupid of him. Uh, Mittenmeyer asks Ruenthal about his crazy girlfriend. Ruenthal says he doesn't know what happened to her, nor does he want to. I must have missed that line. <laughs> no. He, he, yeah, like, Mitten brings it up, and he's just like, I just don't care, man. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> wow. Um, so we get another cut. This one is interesting. There is a suspicious fire on Heinison in several places. One of them is the psychiatric ward at this hospital. 
And after like the firefighters come and deal with it, they figure they find that eleven people are dead or missing, and one of those people is our good old Lieutenant Fork. Uh, yeah, this is this was the fella who um, way back when um, was he, he what was it? He gave out that stupid plan to launch an offensive from Iserlone. Into, yeah, he can't. Uh, yeah, he couldn't take the criticism for his shitty first plan yeah. where he's launching, and then like he got dressed down by that one guy, and then tried to assassinate him later, and then got taken to a psychic yeah. ward because he was crazy. <laughs> but he is now missing. Um, we see in the next scene, though, that he is on a ship of with a bunch of Earth Church people on it, and they are plotting new ways to get between Reinhardt and Yang mm-hmm. because they and, now have Fork. And surprise, it's the evil uh, Earth Pope who was here. Was the name? one who uh, definitely... Is that Digsby? Um, no, it was Du Bois. Yeah, De- Degby died ages ago. This was the guy who was actually on Earth that shuffled out and was chortling the whole time the uh, Earth Church was collapsing. So it was sort of like, okay, he's definitely not dead. Yeah. So um, on Fazan, they think the Earth Church or Rubinsky was behind the bombing because those are the most likely suspects, I guess. Um, Lush, uh, Lutz says they need to flush out whoever did it, but it's going to take some time. We cut to Rubinsky saying that he was totally behind it, uh, <laughs> talking to Dominic. Uh, well, well, Rubinsky, <laughs> uh, Rubinsky said he wasn't behind the explosions, though, right? No, he, he said he was. I thought he said, no, 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 he said he no, 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 no. He said explicitly he was not. Yeah, Dominic was asked, he was like, was that you? And he said, I'm flattered you'd think I oh, can yeah, do that. Right. Yeah. But no, I'm not that ridiculous. But now I still will exploit the shit out of the situation. And she's like, well... You've always been good at managing trash. <laughs> all the people underneath him. Like, it's such a dick statement, and I fucking love it. And Rubinsky's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, motherfucker. Like, it's so good. I do remember that scene, though. He asked her for help in the next step of his plan. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's mm-hmm. going to involve her and stuff. Uh, on Bittenfield's ship. Uh, so Bittenfield and uh, Fahrenheit are on their way to Islehorn. They're out ahead because they're fast or something like that. Um, one of the underlings on Bittenfield's ship, they're having a meeting, says that they should offer peace to Yang and try to give him Alpha Seal with, uh, you know, governance of Alpha Seal because this would prevent it from all this shit happening. Bittenfield does not like this good plan because he's Bittenfield <laughs> and uh, yells at this guy. I really like his response because he pretty, he even says up front that he's, you know, not the... Well, I forget what his wording was, but he said, even I know that's a bad idea. So it's pretty much saying, <laughs> well, I may totally be stupid, but I'm not an idiot. I, that's a bad idea. <laughs> so uh, back on Islahorn, Yang knows that Bittenfield and Fahrenheit are coming. Um, he talks to the Murkats, and Murkats has his whole deal with Fahrenheit being an underling protege or whatever. Uh Bittenfield calls up Fahrenheit on the way. He wants to start shit. Like, he's like, I want to go right now. I want to attack right now. And Fahrenheit's like, listen, we got to wait for the rest of the people. Calm your chat ass down. Uh, you should spend your time asking Yang for peace. Yeah, and just give him something to do, really. He's like, oh, do you think that'd work? <laughs> well, Bittenfield doesn't want to do that. Of course not. But still, you can ask if you're bored. Well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's trying to convince Bittenfield, because, like, Bittenfield doesn't want to do it, so he just assumes Bittenfield's not going to do it. So he's like, here, do this. And he's just like, he won't do it, so don't worry about it. But then he does. Yeah, <laughs> Bittenfield's just like, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, like, so. God I- damn it, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> All right. Episode 78 starts out with Dusty writing his book and Popolon just starts ghostwriting it. <laughs> Leans over his shoulder. Wow, that's some pretty shitty writing. 
Yeah. Um, they talk about their catchphrase. They landed on Viva Democracy and Popalon <laughs> still hates it. Or Dusty still hates it, sorry. Uh, this is when they get the call from Bittenfield asking them surrender. Um, they don't know why Bittenfield called. Uh, they would expect of all the admirals for him to be the last one to call, but there they are getting the call. Um, so they're, they, I guess, also... I don't even know what this fucking note I wrote here. Oh, at the same time, uh, there were, so there's a guy, the president dude of Alpha Seal, one of his underlings came up to him and is like, hey, we should sell Yang out and give Reinhardt the fortress and maybe we could have anonymity. Yeah. And then the president uh, is just like, you do remember what happened last time someone sold a high-ranking official out to the Empire. You remember how that ended for that group, right? Where he, like, killed them all. And he's like, what? Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, right. so the he narrator... Did that, didn't he? Yeah, the narrator is like... Uh, the guy's name is Romsky, which I always forget. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't fall for the same bullshit that Leblo fell for trying to sell people out. The other, the other thing is... Um, it, it might might be a minor note, but it was just like the way that, that Romsky took this suggestion. It wasn't like, no, we're not going to abandon Yang. He's kind of like, oh, that one will work out well for us. It was very, you could already see that, you know, he's basically looking for an easy exit. And it's not sort of like, no, we backed Yang. We're doing this for a reason. It's like, no. Nah. It wasn't ideology. Uh, it was just self-preservation. Yeah. And so. Or at, at the very least, it was diplomacy. You know, mm-hmm. like he was, he didn't have an emotional attachment to it. I think is what you need to pull yeah. away from there. They tried to pick, they, they tried to steer it as that with the whole announcement of you know we're going to be the alpha seal thing and yada yada and we're going to grab yang and it turns out it's just sort of like it's just you know a matter of convenience yeah yeah so if something convenient came up they would bail on him in a heartbeat um so it also notes that a lot of the top brass and political people on alpha seal go to Isalorn because uh, they know that eventually their planet's going to be run over which i think is kind of both cowardice and well I don't know. It seems weird that they just leave all these civilians to deal with the emperor when they all leave. But mm-hmm. um, we get a scene of Yang talking about tactics and stuff. They want to negotiate with Reinhardt to get some political freedom, but they know in order to bring him to the negotiating table, they have to have a reason to negotiate, which means they have to fight him. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> we have a scene of Julian walking down a corridor. And he sees uh, Kataros, like, holding a box or something <laughs> and also reading a book while walking. He's like, oh, yeah, she's dexterous. And then oh, she walks she's good in, at multitasking. <laughs> she walks immediately into a wall face first. <laughs> um, yeah, like, she, she literally, like, it, it's, it's really good because he's like, wow, she's pretty good at doing a lot of stuff. Dump, damn. <laughs> and she's like, her toolbox opens up and, like, everything falls all over the floor. And he's just like. God damn it, and runs over like immediately. <laughs> so they have a quick and chat. Things escalate really quickly yeah. from there. Yeah, it was really weird. Like he's just like helping her pick stuff up, and then it quickly turns into your dad's actually okay. Fuck you. Like it's really weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. Well, what about your mom, huh? Fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, he compliments, uh, like, Shenkop. Like, Shenkop's not a bad guy. And she's like, no, fuck that jerk. And he's like, you only have a, you have a good guy as your father figure, and I don't. And while this all happens and they're arguing, Mr. Uh, Kazern is, like, looks around the corner and is just staring at all this. <laughs> he has, like, it's, it's seriously, like, he's just thinking about all of it. It looks really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the next the next note I have is Miss Kazern with the burns against husband. I guess like he went home and talked about this to his wife, and his wife just disses him some more. I don't really remember what they said. 
It was, it was basically like, uh, what was it? I think he was kind of making an indirect jab at Yang's upbringing, not not making him very tactful in dealing with women and stuff like that. And she was kind of like, well, you're the one who sent him to Yang, so technically it's your fault. Oh. Uh, I just remember that Miss Kazern is a great character. And I like whenever she shows up yeah, on the stage, she, she burns her husband all the time. Yeah, yeah, she's very good at roasting. Like, roast master, really. <laughs> then Literally. he just, remember, she gives and him a slice of cake and he just totally inhales it with his hands. <laughs> uh, so, we there's a scene of uh, Shen Kop and Popolan at a bar. They're talking about uh, Cat Rose. He, Shen Kop says that he wouldn't have fooled around with all these women if he knew that Cat Rose was in the scenes, but, like, obviously he didn't, so no harm, no foul, I guess, for him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Islehorn has the best bartender because I remember Julian sat down and like immediately the bartender brought both a glass and a bottle to him without asking. <laughs> um, we got a scene of Dusty and Julian uh, talking about the characters of the different commanders in the, I guess, political scene at large. Like they talk about how some of them are hot-headed, other ones are like cooler and have more of a focused demeanor. Some of them are lazy, etc. Uh they also start wondering how they should respond to Bittenfield. I guess Bittenfield asks this surrender thing, and they're like, we'll get back to you, because they haven't given him a uh, response yet. They're just letting him stew in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next scene is shows Yang sleeping, Then um, there is a scream. He wakes up and walks into his living room, and Julian is just sitting on the couch. I, I, I didn't understand this. I thought, like, at first that Julian was really drunk and he went to, and he thought he went to his cabin, but he just, like, autopilot walked into <laughs> Yang's place, just yelled. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I went to the wrong place. Fuck. But he's actually totally sober. Yeah. I think it was just, like, kind of one of those little reminders of, like, this is a kid. You know, yeah. like, he, he's he's still pretty young. He yeah, he still... was upset about Cat Rose earlier and talking to her. And so Yang and him have like a midnight 2 a.m. bottle of whiskey and start talking about stuff. I know, remember that the narrator drags Yang for having no relationship advice. Like Julian went in here asking for that sort of stuff, but like Yang just starts talking about history instead. But um, <laughs> the things he talked about are some poignant observations. So I have them here kind of verbatim. Uh, they talk about Reinhardt and how, like, he's a great leader. And they say, when the absolute majority of people affirm and accept autocracy, we who are advocate for the sovereignty of the people become the enemy of the people. So, like, Yang saying, democracy is cool, but when no one wants it, do they? should we really do it, you know? That was a very terrible summarization. They also... I mean, that's basically <laughs> it, though. <laughs> just kinda, like, he's just like, he's like... He brings it up again that just, like, Reinhardt is kind of the perfect autocrat, and so it makes it really, really hard to convince the people that, like, no, you need to keep autonomy. Or, you know, and it, it comes back to the whole discussion earlier of, like, if the people really just want an autocrat, do they just want a hero? Like, And then one of the History Channel episodes uh, mentioned... Uh, just like, you know, the, the people at first really liked the dictatorship because they just didn't have to think. They didn't have to worry about it. That yeah. kind of thing. Like, life was simple, so they didn't give a shit. Yeah, but then when they die or they start going crazy, then it's like, oh, this was a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. When when uh, when you put the entire government uh, at the mercy of one person's failings, uh, it falls apart. Whereas... <laughs> democracy it's the failing of the entire society as a whole whether or not 
they like to accept it and it hurts to look at and think that man it's kind of our fault that dipshit's in office huh yeah and what i really like is whenever it was the history channel was talking about somebody in particular who was doing really well they never really hung around too long something always happened so yeah mm-hmm. um so the conversation eventually goes to the fact that yang wants to keep some semblance of democracy around now that can lie low while ryan does a good job and if ryan continues and is whoever you know comes after him continues to do a good job they can continue being in power but the instant like shit starts to go south, they want the democracy aspect to take over. And so that's like Yang's long-term plan at this point. Um, we get a cut to a scene of the Earth Church uh, brainwashing Fork. He's telling that Fork is a good person, that Yang took away all of his future plans. And it, the reason he's going crazy is because it's Yang's fault and all that. Yeah, and Fork was like, you were going to be the hero of democracy, but that idiot squandered it away, and now he's going to try and take advantage of it to secure his position for himself, and he's the real reason democracy failed. He usurped your role in history, and Fork just kind of is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Earth Church guy's like, wow, I didn't even have to get out the drugs or anything. I just immediately yeah. latched onto it. That was fast. I, I, I think exactly what they said was, this is going to be incredibly easy because we just have to make him believe what he already wanted to believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just have to feed him lies that feed into his, you know, nonsense about Yang usurping him, and then we're good. This is free. This one's this one's free, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> keep the keep the drugs out. We don't we don't we don't need this guy to have the shakes down the road. We can just fucking tell this idiot and he'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so Fork is still certifiably crazy. Um, the last scene of the episode is uh, there, there's a council of everybody on Islehorn trying to figure out how they could respond to the Bittenfield. I guess Dusty wrote the first like two drafts, but both of them were too rude to send. <laughs> I also kind of like it how he's just he's like the, he wants to do writing and stuff, and he pitches it to the room, and everybody's like, ah, I don't know. And Shin Cop's just kind of like, I don't like this. <laughs> it's but, just like putting yourself in his shoes and you know being like okay i'm gonna be a writer i'm gonna put this stuff out and like i don't know the writing on this is pretty sloppy fuck you shin cop <laughs> and like earlier on too when uh that there was a scene when dusty was working on his memoirs and uh Poplon just like walked up behind him because Dusty was saying out loud what he was writing and Poplon just like walked up behind him and finished his sentence like what he was going to write <laughs> and he's just like Yo, that shit's way too predictable. The reader's gonna get bored. You should you should throw in a couple more mix-ups there. Maybe make your sentence structure a little more in- interesting. And Dusty just turns around. He's like, "The fuck are you?" <laughs> Do they have creative writing courses on his horn? They gotta have yeah, like some sort okay. of schooling I mean, or something. Like Popelon is slowly but surely becoming like a weird guidance counselor who's really good at writing and fighter jets. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, I was an asshole, but I started you down the right path, didn't I? See, it all worked out. <laughs> guidance counselor loves to fuck. <laughs> Popelon. So he's Coach McGurk, really. Yeah, basically. <laughs> God. Yeah, oh, no, God. If, now I'm Pope just thinking, uh-huh. if Pope Lon got older and, like, slowed down, gained some weight, <laughs> and then the world reestablished and, you know, in a different art style. Yeah, no, he's just Coach McGurk. Like, he's got the hair for it and everything. <laughs> so uh, they come up with these drafts, and their idea here is they want to send something very provocative to Bittenfield. So Bittenfield gets upset and does something stupid so they can take advantage of it. Murkat um, says that they... If it, the other one is like, is Benfield really going to be dumb off the fall for that? Like, we all know he's a hothead, but like, this is kind of over the top. 
And then it's like Burkett says, like, well, if we attack him while we send this response, there's nothing he can do but, you know, not attack back. So they're like, okay, that's a good idea. So they send this response to the Bittenfield, and that's the end of that episode. Also, for the record, the response, um, the way it was rude was basically just like, you know, that's fair, but we'll we'll feel free to give you another ass-kicking since you apparently haven't learned yet, motherfucker. Yeah, they belittle him and call out his history of losing to Yang, which I guess yeah, is like striking like, his ego. Like, hmm, this is an awfully presumptuous statement <laughs> from someone who's been, uh, like, they're like, congrats on advancing enough that you can uh, issue this kind of statement. It's weird Reinhardt would let you do that, though, <laughs> when you lose, like, twice a year in a big way. You're already walking <laughs> back from that last ass-kicking? Wow, man. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty impressive. You dust yourself off pretty quick, bud. I really, <laughs> I really wish I could commission someone to draw some art of the everybody at the Iselhorn Fortress in the style of reply of the Zephyrinian Cossacks, that famous painting from, uh, what was it? It's a famous Renaissance paint, or not Renaissance, but like romantic style painting of these guys just around the table writing this stupid ass note. I I cannot believe the level of opposite I was going because I thought you were going to say I want so I want to commission someone to do a video of all the people in Yang's fleet like freaking out like a world star hip hop video. <laughs> 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 Fucking write it down again. Tell him he sucks. Fuck him. <laughs> So yeah, oh episode God, it's just, I'm, th- I'm, th- it's just, I'm looking at the painting and I'm thinking about just uh, Poplin, just, you know, like, instead of just regular Poplin drawing the style, I'm just thinking of him as Coach McGirt because the red hair. And I'm just thinking of everything Poplin says, but in H. John Benjamin's voice. Oh <laughs> Sometimes you get bored and buy a bunch of swords. <laughs> Okay, that's Shen Cop, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Okay, so yeah, Bitfield gets this note. He's angry. Um, he gets another note after this from Murkat saying that he wants to defect. So, oh, yeah, this was something else right before they cut away from the last scene. Um, Yang said he wanted to use um, Murkat's name. name and wanted yeah. his permission for something. So, yeah, Bitfield gets yeah, the first note this. saying we're not surrendering. He gets the second note saying that Murkat's wants to defect. He thinks this is kind mm-hmm. of fishy so he goes to fahrenheit and they know it's a trap probably to break them apart but um fahrenheit says like maybe murkas just wants to die because like Mur- I, I think he felt that murkas wants to you know put a finale on his career or whatnot after he had you know betrayed not betrayed but left the galactic empire and doesn't want to die here or something i find it interesting because uh fahrenheit didn't really balk at that idea too much no even though he's and- known him yeah, Fahrenheit holds Murkats in really high regard um, since they have so much history together. Yeah. So they, uh, the narrator notes that Bittenfield and Fahrenheit are both good at offense maneuvers, but since they have to keep Yang trapped for the time being, they have to play defensively, which is not their, you know, highest strong point. Um, Muckenberg is at the other end of the Iselhorn Corridor on the Galactic Empire, well, the old Galactic Empire side. Um, he cannot communicate with Bittenfield or Fahrenheit because it's like, I don't know, they say jamming or something. Space smoke. Yeah. So they show a scene of him. Um, one of the people on a ship sees that a fleet is coming towards them. It's Yang's entire Izzelhorn fleet. Uh, they realize they're outnumbered and that they have to have a defensive position so Yang cannot get into the Galactic Empire's like main area. So they fall back and retreat. Yeah, important note that I don't think we ever really touched on. Um, and I know Hilda brought it up at one point. Uh but just the fact that the Galactic Empire side of the universe right now is basically undefended. Yeah. Like, it's 
it's uh, Art General and then and Art, Art Admiral, and as soon as yeah. as soon as he gets pierced, that's basically it. Like Yang could just fly right to Odin and just take Sack it. everything. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the reasons why Lutz and Wallen were supposed to go on the other side to help, uh, you know, help defend on that side, but they got caught up in that bomb thing that went on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, Muckenberg sees this. He's like, "Oh, I got to fall back and do defensive shit." So he does. Yang sees this happening. Is like, "Okay, well, this side's taken care of." And they turn around and go back to Ilzahorn. Um So Bittenfield gets another note from Murkat saying that he's escaped and he's on his way. Uh, this next scene is a lot of stupid cat and mouse bullshit. Um, yeah. they're pretending like they're going to try to get in the Fahrenheit's fleet or the into Bittenfield's fleet. Bittenfield is having none of this. So he charges and attacks Dusty, who is part of the quote Murkat's fleet, is uh retreating and attacking back and forth it's kind of stupid yeah it's just space battle stuff we could probably hand wave most of it yeah fahrenheit just follows bittenfield in and he wants to see what bittenfield's gonna do uh bittenfield falls in the yang's trap but doesn't give a shit because he's bittenfield uh bittenfield tries to open up the fleet but realize that they're in the corridor and there's like weird black hole bullshit so if they go too far out like they're bottled in it right now yeah and that was the main thing that yang was after was to pull them in further into the corridor where it tightens up and at that point, Fahrenheit followed, or am I skipping ahead here? No, Fahrenheit followed him, but he saw the trap, so he backed off. And so Bittenfield yeah. was just in the middle of this, like, huge circle of fire. Yeah, and um, I think I think at one point Bittenfield also complains about Fahrenheit being in the way or something, or was crowding him. Yeah, Bittenfield and Fahrenheit don't work on the best of terms, so there's, like, some animosity between them as this shit goes on. Yeah, it's like Bittenfield uh, is, you know, the whole Black Lancer dude, but it, it mentioned in passing because it hadn't really been established, but Fahrenheit was also very offensive. So they both kind of do the same thing, so they'd end up stepping on each other's toes. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll skip over most of this battle, but it yeah. ends up with um, Bittenfield getting surrounded. Fahrenheit comes and tries to break him out. Um, they start to retreat, but Bittenfield's fleet has been taking a lot more losses, so Fahrenheit's got to play rear guard. And when he plays rear guard, he gets shot up to the point where uh, his ship gets blown up. Um, yeah, and the pillar, once again, we've brought up before, <laughs> the dangers of the pillars on the bridge. You see a pillar has fallen and has crushed, like, several people. And I don't know why they're putting these big granite Roman columns on there. It's just I don't know. We have one idea. ship. We have, we have one ship where some dude's using it as a fucking weapon to club people down. We have another <laughs> where it's falling. Another where it's impaling people. These things are a goddamn hazard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fahrenheit eventually eats it. Um, he tells one of yeah. the people on his bridge to go tell Ryan... And that's that. Yeah, tell, really. I'll go tell Ryan that I ordered you to live. Yeah. But, um, one note is during this whole fight, we see a scene of Cataros um, for the first time going into space and fighting. And she's like super nervous. And that's really that. Yeah, it's, it's because up to this Hope point, gives her a Shen Cop, yeah. pretty much every time there was an offensive, Shen Cop would step in and say, huh, no, you're not fighting. So this yeah. was actually her first actual battle. But yeah, that ends up the episode is uh, Fahrenheit eats it. So yeah, and telling some kid take your take your li- take your life. That's your keepsake. Well, see ya. <laughs> Which is weird because I thought I remembered Fahrenheit being a bit more memorable or doing a bit more, but nope. Yeah, Fahrenheit. It it was weak. Like it's like I can't remember a lot of this stuff toward the end. I thought it was 
trying to angle it as like he and Murkatz would have some standoff, but that doesn't happen. And I was like, like oh, hmm, I didn't remember that. And that that kind of summarizes like you know like it, these episodes were really weak. Uh, They're I setting think, up for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah like agree. it was all set up and like nothing really happened and like sure there was this big space battle but i hate to say it i kind of want yang to face trouble like more <laughs> at this point because it's really like it's getting to the point where a space battle episode comes up involving yang and i just sigh because it's just like oh i wonder if Yang's gonna be outmatched except there's some environmental thing that apparently none of these galactic empire guys fucking understand yeah. like oh oh, the thing oh is, this the reminded me of something episode, there, the plan this episode wasn't even smart or clever it was literally like there's a choke point we're gonna choke him in the choke point and they <laughs> fall for it like it's like man okay i don't really feel bad for fahrenheit getting blown up like no matter how much everyone's like I respect him. He was a good commander. I'm like, he was a shit commander. <laughs> like, he just fell for something that I could teach a 13-year-old playing paintball not to fall for. Like, what I thought was off. was really funny was there was this point, one point in the episode where um, the Alliance and the Free Plane, the Free Plane Alliance, and you know the Empire were trash talking each other using megaphones. Like, like you yeah, remember that? Like, they had, like, like they had the intercom thing. Yeah, and it was dusty. yeah. And I was like, wait a second, they, you can't do that in space. <laughs> yeah, gigantic so what, what it was, air horns. Yeah, Dusty was trying to get Bittenfield to commit to a trap, and like he yeah. wasn't taking the bait, so he got on the intercom or the radio or whatever the fuck it is, and straight up taunted Bittenfield into doing it. Yeah, come so. on, motherfucker. But yeah, like it was that, and then like. Oh, I was legitimately kind of pissed when they set up the whole Rutenthal thing. And I was like, hell yeah, this is going to kick ass. Like, finally, some some fucking <laughs> political action. And then it literally just turned into, just kidding, we're good, dog. And I'm like, <laughs> man, like, ah. Like, yeah. Sure, it's a little bit of character building for Reinhardt. But it's kind of boring to watch. And I kind of really just... Oh, yeah, ugh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping... Like, the thing is, normally the show does do... Uh, cycles of like big space battle and then afterwards a bunch of shit flares up and so yeah. like I'm hoping these next five episodes are going to be really good but I was really <laughs> down on these ones like especially because I feel like the only thing they had on top of the space battles which I felt like the space battles were especially egregious this time because they spent like 90% of it focusing on like the little readouts of just like some triangles and some yeah. rectangles it, it, driving around each other. It and was, was also like, Dusty saying, oh, I need to do this plan to lure Bittenfeld. Okay, I'll try this. Oh, he's not following. Try again. Oh, he's following. He stopped. Try again. He's following. He stopped. Yeah. Try again. Okay, now he's coming. Say, yeah, they literally have him do the same thing three times. Yeah. Like it's and then Bittenfeld super does it. It's like oh god. <laughs> <laughs> like real talk, if this was uh, an anime that was not based on something, or if it was like based on the manga in modern days, as opposed to like you know a, a book, I would assume this is the point where the anime got ahead of the manga and they started. <laughs> no, that would have that would have been the episode where Julian got his driver's license. <laughs> god, if only. <laughs> Yeah, like, there was a lot of romance in these episodes, and man, the writing for the romances. Let's just say, I guess, uh, you know, socio-political military nerd lord who wrote this series. First of all, thank you. I love it. Second of all, 
go on a date. writing romance <laughs> personal <laughs> relationships. Like, I know that sounds crazy that someone who spent his life, you know, doing military stuff, maybe. I'm, I'm semi-familiar with the other stuff he's written, and yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not romance-related, so it's kind of like, not, you know, st- stick with your strong suit, suits, man. <laughs> I love Heroic Legend of Arslan, but uh, romance, eh, it's not really in there, I don't think. I can tell you, Ty, that uh, two of your, uh, not two, but like your concerns are addressed. The upcoming episodes do have shit going down in them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. This, this was, was just, okay, these, this these five were set up. This was just a little lull. Yeah. It was just, yeah, like, it, it was one of those things where I know there's going to be a lull episode or two, and there's going to be some setup episodes here and there. Like You, you just know, hit all like five of them in a row. It's like 110 episodes. Yeah, it was just a stretch of five in a row that was just kind of like... I was I was hoof-a. trying to parse the the title of this last episode, the one where Fahrenheit dies. I was trying to parse the meaning of it, and it was, uh, what was it? It was, un, it was um, ever victorious against the undefeated. And I was trying to extrapolate what that meant here. Well, Reinhardt's fleet is ever victorious, and I guess Yang is undefeated. I guess that's what it's getting into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, I but promise yeah. you, the next couple episodes will be good, Ty. Oh, yeah. I good. assume, like I said, the, the way the show cycles, like there are some things that are pretty consistent, and one of the biggest ones is two episode space battle followed by them all flaring up and the thing is this is actually building up to a pretty interesting one because this is kind of the final showdown i will say if <laughs> reinhardt and yang don't actually fight in this episode i'm gonna flip a table and this podcast is fucking done <laughs> like, we, this podcast is fucking over because i i have been blue balled on <laughs> but we know Man that there's no magician. way yang could lose in a space battle He'll never die i there. really want yang to lose in a space battle nah, i'll be he'll real. never die like, in a space I, battle like this <laughs> for the record his favorite terrain is, there is no losing in space this is not me supporting autocracy <laughs> or any or a dictatorship this is me getting bored with mr perfect fairy podcast the galactic heroes ties all about autocrats you hear here folks <laughs> see you next time <laughs> no, that's one of the main complaints with the series. I mean, aside from the bad romance writing, is that Yang is a Mary Sue. He's perfect pretty much mm-hmm. in every way, and he always wins mm-hmm. his battles. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Till next time, base anime. <laughs> <laughs>